Folks, for this episode, I'm very excited to host the AFSOC Command Chief, Chief Master Sergeant Corey Olson. Now, I can say without any reservation that he's been one of my most influential mentors and is largely responsible for who I am today as a senior NCO in the United States Air Force. And I'm proud to call him a teammate. For the next 20 to 30 minutes, we'll be exploring self-care and empathetic leadership, all from a senior leader's perspective. Now, it should be noted that the chief is joining us via Skype, so the audio isn't up to studio quality. However, I think you'll still appreciate this episode. Let's get after it. All right, folks, welcome back to Pulse. We're so glad to have you on this episode. Um, we, I'm really excited about this episode because we have uh, Chief Master Sergeant Corey Olson with us, the AFSOC Command Chief via Skype, and uh, he's joining us for this episode, and we're going to talk about a, a wide swath of things, um, but uh, I do want to turn it over to the Chief to uh, kind of introduce himself and uh, give you an idea of who he is, and uh, we'll carry on with this episode. Chief, go. Well, thanks, Sergeant Fisher. Uh, well, let me first say, hey, thanks for what you and your team are doing uh, with these podcasts and and Pulse. I think it's just a it's an out, outstanding thing, and I wish I could be sitting at the 27th South with you to do this. Obviously, uh, schedules uh, didn't allow that, uh, so I'm obviously sitting here in the uh, AFSOC Command Chief Office at Holbert Field. And you know, as you kind of touch down, as you, as you kind of look at my career, I've been in for quite a while, been in for about 28 years, and uh, but spent the majority of my career uh, inside of AFSOC. You know, had the great fortune of uh, growing up as a load master in our. Force, you know, and obviously I uh, got to do things at many different levels. I've been a command chief at multiple places. And uh, before coming here, I was at SOCOM. Uh, and then uh, General Slife brought me on board the team here at AFSOC. And my wife and I are happy, you know, be here. We've been married for uh, about 25 years. And nice. uh, we don't have any kids. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the highlight, right, to uh, come to AFSOC and be able to take care of the uh, the air commandos and uh, and get after things, much like you're doing with uh, your podcast, right? So this, I'm really excited what we're going to talk about today because I think it's so important and, uh, and powerful. And, and I can tell you, I don't have all the answers, but I'll certainly offer you my experiences. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. We, we strive to have, you know, just some real conversations um, uh, about perspectives and things. And, and I think people connect with that a lot better than, you know, the polished uh, discussion or, or talk that we give standing in front of an audience. So um, first and foremost, let's uh, let's jump into this idea of self-care. We've we've had a, a couple of podcasts in the past on this and uh, talked about it, but we really want to get kind of a senior leader perspective on this. You've been around a while, you've seen a lot of things, you've experienced a lot of things, and, and with that experience comes, uh, I, I would like to say, wisdom. I'd like to hear from you about what you think about this idea of self-care, what it means to you, and kind of how you define it. Okay, great question, right? And it's uh, it's interesting that we talk about it as uh, as self care now, which I think is is certainly uh, a better way of looking at it. I think for years we talked about it as balance, um, and and I think what I've learned through the years is, especially with the military, it's very hard to have uh, what people want. You know, used to say as balance. Uh, and and what I found through my career is, you know, you you couldn't take your your day and go, okay, I'm gonna get up in the morning, I'm gonna do two hours of PT, and then I'm gonna get to work at eight, and I'll leave at five, and and then I'll be at uh, some event at seven, and I'll go to bed at ten, and 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 people go, yeah, that's what balance looks like. Well, what I found is, uh, I certainly couldn't do that, and most of the people I worked with couldn't do that. But you know, something I learned 
you know, years ago from somebody, somebody said, Hey, you know, it's not always about balance. It's about having balanced moments in your life. And, and balanced moments really to me are what self-care is, right? In, in a normal week or a month or a year, you've got a lot of things that you want to do, whether that's at work, whether that's with your family, um, whether that's with your friends. And, and at some point in there, you have to prioritize what that is to you because you're not going to be able to do it all. And so when I think of it as a self-care piece, what I'd say to myself is go, what are the things that I cannot miss this year in a priority order? As I work with my wife and, and I look at my job and everything else, I say to myself, I go, all right, I know what is the most important at my house. For instance, my wife and I do a vacation with a group of friends every year, uh, and it's usually in June or July, and, uh, and it's the same group of people we've been going with for 20 years. To me, that is, that is a balanced moment to me, but it's about self-care for me because when I get together with this group, almost all of them are retired military, but we don't talk about the military. Uh, it's about friendships. It's about really we build resiliency with one another because that is kind of my extended family. And uh, so I can share anything with them, what's going on in life. And so when I kind of get into this self-care thing, to me, I don't, you know, every day it's about self-care, but that is probably not how I map my life out. I know that some weeks because of the job, like, like any, uh, any of your listeners, some weeks you just have so much on your plate that I'm not going to have a lot of balance that week. But I'm going to make that balance up, right? Because I, what I know to be true is, is that if I don't have anything in my cup, I can't pour into your cup, right? And so, and that's what it's about. And I think, to me, when I think of supervisors and what we ask of them today, we we are having our supervisors chase their tail with the amount of work we ask them to do, how we ask them to take care of their airmen. And some people say, hey, you got to manage your time better, or whatever else. Well, I think we have some people who can really manage time. We are asking a lot of our people. And so that is not lost on me. But that gets back to the balanced moments and the priority side of this. To me, there's nothing more important that I do every day when I come to work uh, than when I meet with my team in the morning and find out how their night went, what's going on in their lives, what their day looks like. That to me is self-care because when I know what's going on with them, it's much easier for me to take care of them. And then I'm also aware of what's going on uh, in the dynamics of things. Uh, and so uh, self-care is certainly much larger than that. But on a just on a wave top level, that's what I would offer to you. And, and I could talk about this topic for hours because I think it's something that we're not very good at, you know, and we, we just run and run and run. And, and eventually we're just going to, you know, your career is going to be over and you're going to look back and go, hey, did I do all the things that I wanted to do? And did I take best care of the people that were in my charge? I can tell you throughout my career, I have not been that guy. There have been times where I, I was not the best supervisor. And uh, but I had to learn and, and figure out what was important. I agree. Yeah. And I think, truth be told, Chief, we all can sympathize with that perspective. We've all had our moments. Now, let me ask you, what are some indicators that you see in your own uh, life? Because I, I got to be honest with you, as I look at your schedule, as I observe your ops tempo in the current position you're in, uh, there's got to be moments that crop up or little indicators for you that go, hey, I may be, I may be um, you know, stressing my battery out just a bit too much. Yeah, I, great question, Sergeant Fisher. I, I'll tell you, um, that comes up, and it actually happened to me. It doesn't happen often to me, but a couple of weeks ago it did. 
I was, uh, I mean, I was chasing my tail, like I was talking about, right. And, you know, trying to be a million places and, and, and covering down. And, and what I've kind of figured out when that happens is you can't peanut butter spread yourself across 50 things because you can't do 50 things. So once again, you got to prioritize and figure out what's most important. And for me, it's always the people that will always trump, uh, whatever else is going on. But the way it will manifest for me is I will feel it between my shoulder blades, believe it or not. I will feel that stress will start to build between my shoulder blades. And, and I know that seems like really, and I'm an avid PT or as you know, and, and, and so I know when the stress is building and some of it is self-induced because what I know is my life is out of balance. I've committed myself to too many things and, uh, and my wife can sense it. She'll say to me, she'll go, Hey, you seem a little more, you know, not, not grumpy. Or she goes, you just don't seem as engaged at home as you normally do. Uh, and usually I know as soon as she says that I can usually tie it to some uh, physical thing I may have going on. Or I, I just, I mean, I, I think I intuitively know it, but I always think I can take on more. And, and real, realistically, everybody's got a limit, yeah. right? Because once again, it goes back to what we talked about. If, if, if I don't have anything to pour into your cup, then I'm no good for you. That's exactly right. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so, so when that happens to me, what I usually do, I mean, you know, I take it, you know, I just take a step back from it all and, and I will just tune the world out for a, for an hour and, and I can, I can sit in my chair and, and literally just sit there. No, no music, no nothing. And, and just, you just close my eyes. I'm not taking a nap and just think through what's important to me. Why am I doing what am I doing? And I reprioritize my life you know, because I'll tell you, my priorities get out of whack at times where work trumps everything else. Uh, it's more important than my spouse. It's more important than my friends. But at the end of the day, you know, I talk about this often when I'm around, uh, when I get the opportunity to speak with people is the reminder is, you know, especially after you've been married a long time, like I have and Sergeant Fisher, I know you've been married a long time as well, is when, when this is all said and done and, and we leave this Air Force because we're all going to have to, I want to make sure that my wife is standing next to me on that stage when that day is, uh, yeah, when that day gets here. Yeah. Because if she's not, I prioritize the wrong thing. Something, uh, you, you miss the mark, plain and simple. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just curious. Uh, I, obviously, I don't need a lot of detail, but I'm just curious. What are some things that you do daily that you build into your daily battle rhythm that are you know, either reminders or very intentional and deliberate things to help keep you focused and balanced on the things that you know you need to, uh, in other words, the priorities you've outlined for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, number one, you know, I, I PT, you know, uh, seven days a week and some people say, Hey, you should take time off. That for me is my stress relief. It's, it's how I build my day. It's the first thing I do when I get up and, and that's how I get my mind right. Right. Because if I don't get my PT and I get a little cranky, uh, right. because I know I'm a little off. And, uh, so when I come back from that, you know, I, you know, I have my, my, my cup of coffee and do a little work, chat with my, my spouse about some things, you know, before she heads off to work. And then as soon as I get to work, you know, I love seeing the team, right. And finding out, like I talked about, you know, Hey, what's going on in their lives. Right. Because that's always a reminder to me that, Hey, what's going on. They have lives. I have a life and everybody's got different stressors going on. Uh, and if I can take some stress off of their plate, it reminds me that they want to take stress off my plate as well. So it's really a healthy reminder. And then throughout the day, I can tell you as General Slife and I engage on different things, uh, we actually, we talk about this topic to make sure that we're keeping things in check. Because while this podcast is, is certainly about uh, you and I, I can tell you General Slife is one who has great self-care and balance in his life. And I know people think that a, a three-star general must work, you know, 20 hours a day and sleep for four hours. And 
you know, he is very uh, deliberate in what he does, how he spends his time, and, and having breakfast with his wife in the morning after PT in is hugely important to him. And spending time with her at night to walk through and talk through things that are going on is highly important to him, just like it is at my house. My wife and I, uh, when I'm in town, we eat dinner together every night, right? We don't go out to dinner. We, we eat at home. Uh, and that's a chance for us to catch up on what's going on with her. Because while we talk a lot about what's going on with me, she lives with a ton of stressors as well, right? She deals with my schedule and all the other things, and uh, she's been along for this ride. And, and make no mistake, the MVP at the Olsen house is, is, is my wife. The MVP at the Olsen house is not uh, Corey, I can promise you that. And so I think sometimes we forget the stress that we put them under, and are, and are we giving them enough self-care, or are they offering themselves enough self-care, or are they just doing what the Air Force needs as well? I like to think I have a, a decent plan in my life. It could always be better. But, but I, you know, I have to say while we're on this topic, you know, Sergeant Fisher, I love to work. I do. And so I enjoy it. That is something that gives me joy. I'm an extrovert by nature, so people give me energy. I may, des I may desire to work more than, than, say, somebody else, and it's not just because my work ethic is that much better. It's what I enjoy doing, and I know I can only do this for a finite period of time. That's very and, true. Uh, and my wife's completely supportive and on board, and, and, and she gets it. And uh, you, don't, you don't go through this Air Force thing uh, for this long like your wife and, and my wife with, with, without having people that, that have bought into uh, the Air Force and what we do. I very much agree. I'm so glad you brought that up because, um, you know, we, we often forget about the, the, the silent uh, folks behind the scenes that are our foundation. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up as part of the uh, self-care piece. Yeah, Sergeant Fisher. So, you know, as we talk about spouses, I, you know, we could do an entire podcast on the value of spouses or significant others and, and those people in your life and, and what they provide you. And, you know, that is a huge piece of self-care and balance. I think we often forget what they deal with, but more importantly, that they're the sounding board for a lot of things. And they really are the ones who uncover your blind spots and tell you when things are, are awry and notice the things that Notice the things that you don't. And so I'd be remiss if we didn't uh, if I didn't hit on that uh, a second time to talk about it, because it is so important. You don't do this thing by yourself, whether that's friends, spouses, significant others. We're all in this together. You know, the Air Force is not a mythical creature. The Air Force is people. And that is what the Air Force is. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I love the fact that you brought up the general uh, and, and you guys as a team. And so I kind of want to touch on that just a little bit. Um, as you guys get out and about uh, the command and spend time with folks and visit units, yeah, obviously you don't have to go into detail with names and, and people, et cetera, units and all that. But have you come across, you know, some scenarios with units where, you know, the, the self-care piece is kind of being neglected simply because of their ops tempo? And I'd love to hear if that's the case, what is some of the advice and some of the things that you've empowered uh, those uh, frontline supervisors and commanders to, to start doing to help balance that out. Uh, certainly. And, and, and as we have traveled across the command, uh, we've, we've made it to every group and wing and, and down to almost every squadron across the AFSOC. I, I, I think, you know, there are some units that you can tell that uh, the self-care is there. And some of it is, is predicated upon their ops tempo. And then we certainly have organizations out there that are running full speed. And, and meaning it's rough on them. And certainly, you know, I think most folks would realize that, you know, you could almost touch on every AFSC when I say this, but, but I'll just, I'll just focus in on a couple that where we see it a lot. When we look at our RPA enterprise and our Intel enterprise uh, with the 24, seven, 365, 
uh, these folks are running hard. And so they're dealing with a lot. And that doesn't mean that our other folks aren't because they certainly are as well. But as we kind of talked about this, I wanted to kind of highlight those two organizations. And so we're in there. Sure. You know, we, we talk a lot about and if people have heard General Slife speak, he talks a good bit about uh, mission, risk and resources, always being in constant tension. And, and I think what happens is, is what we think to a lot of things is, hey, if we give you more resources, you know, uh, we can do more things. Or if we give you less mission, we can do more things. Well, no matter how you do that, they're always going to be in constant tension. But what our goal is to always bring the risk down. But the answer to bring the risk down isn't always increasing resources. Maybe we bring risk down because we bring mission down. We see mission oftentimes as a, as a constant, and, and mission isn't necessarily a constant. General Slife has the approval or the ability to say, hey, we're not going to do that. Now, I know our air commandos are professionals, and they don't want to ever turn away a mission, right. but that's also part of our problem. Correct. Right, is, is we will just continue to take it on and take it on and take it on uh, until we have to say uncle. Now, our job is when we see that is to say, hey – we need to help you. And maybe that is through more resources. Maybe that is through less mission. But at the end of the day, we want to be at an acceptable level of risk. And, and we know in parts of our formation, the risk is higher than we want it to be. And so we are working hard on changing that. But as you look at the AFSOC strategic guidance, uh, we published on the 30th of December 2019, you know, this is the future of AFSOC of where we're going. And a lot of that is predicated on getting to a force generation model for our people that is sustainable. For 19 years, we've been burning our people to the ground, going after more mission, more mission, more mission. I've got to see it firsthand. You've got to see it firsthand. And, and most of your listeners, I guarantee you, uh, have seen it firsthand. That is not lost on General Slife and I. Uh, that is why we have to get to a, a predictable force generation model for our, for our teams out there so that they can have predictability in their life so they can get after self-care and, and we can get to a, a level of risk that's acceptable. Now, I'm not saying that every single person inside of Air Force Special Operations Command is maxed out. That is not what I'm saying. But I know we have parts of our formation that definitely are maxed out, uh, and we are laser-focused on that. Now, will we fix it tomorrow? No. Uh, would I like to fix it today? Absolutely. It's going to take time to get there. But that is what the strategic guidance is all about and building the 2030. But a lot of that is predicated on how do we take care of our most important resource, which is our human capital. Absolutely. Let's break that uh, risk down. I love the, the fact that you brought that up. So let's break the risk down more to a tactical level, though, uh, from the strategic level. And, you, you know, your, your tenure and experience can clearly identify some of the key things that uh, could be a problem when, when self-care is, is neglected. So I'd like to hear kind of your insights and thoughts uh, from a tactical perspective. Yeah, and, you know, I would call it tactical, but it has strategic effects, um, when we have supervisors that are accepting risk, i.e. not able to take best care of their airmen, that is risk. And it's a huge risk. And any airman that we lose has a strategic effect on all of us. Yep. Right. And so when I think of the frontline supervisor, and, and I think oftentimes we forget when we talk about frontline supervisors that everybody has a frontline supervisor. General Slife is my frontline supervisor. Right. You have a frontline supervisor. So I think sometimes we we mistake that and we think we're talking about only the staff sergeant. That is not who we're talking about. We're talking about everybody out there. Yep. And so when we don't have time uh, to, to deal with what's going on with our airmen, that to me is the risk that I'm worried about. Right. Because mm -hmm. if I don't have time to deal with it, I can't develop you. I can't make you the best that you can possibly be. Uh, and frankly, there isn't a job left in our Air Force uh, that we don't need anymore. 
we need every job. I don't care if you're in the MSG, the med group, the maintenance group, the ops group, uh, the wing staff agency, every job matters, right? Every position matters. So when I talk about risk, sure, we could talk about it from the level of, are we worried about crashing an airplane? I'm talking about it from a people perspective. And to me, that is the tactical level takeaway because we all know if you take best care of your people, the rest of it works itself out. But if people don't feel like they're being cared for or or nobody cares about them, number one, we're not getting the most out of them. And frankly, they deserve better. You betcha. Um, you know, everybody who joined joined our Air Force didn't come here and go, gosh, I really hope this sucks. They came here because they wanted they want a chance to succeed. And we owe every airman the chance to succeed in our Air Force. And, and if we can't provide that, then we need to figure it out. Uh, and I realize that is not an easy thing to do. Right. I, I got it. Being a supervisor is the hardest job in our Air Force. It is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, I fully agree very much. All right. Let's uh, let's kind of shift the conversation just a little bit to uh, to this empathetic leader piece. And uh, I, I'm going to read a quote from uh, the book called The Mentor Leader by Tony Dungy. I don't know if uh, many of our listeners know who he is, but uh, a very uh, well-known retired NFL coach. By the way, this book is incredible, so I truly recommend it to those um, who are interested in reading something that uh, could give you some insights and meaning. But here's the quote, and then I'd kind of like to hear your thoughts about it. It used to be common for leaders to keep their distance from the people they led. When I was growing up, the legendary college football coaches were often pictured coaching from a tower, watching over the entire field from 50 feet above and shouting instructions through a bullhorn. The prevailing wisdom at the time said, Don't get too close to those you lead. Difficult decisions would have to be made, layoffs, restructuring, a different focus, etc. If you got too close, it would be too difficult to lead and make the tough decisions for the good of the order. What do you think? One, I think that's a it's a powerful quote. Uh, two, I've read that book and I'm, I'm a huge Tony Dungy fan because I'm a huge sports fan. And and uh, I think we all remember him when he was with Tampa Bay and then with Indianapolis and, and everything else. And Tony Dungy, obviously, uh, you know, just a well-respected man and and everything else. And, and so when I think about that quote, uh, I think what what we're talking about there is, you know, the world has changed. Right. The world has changed. Uh, and and while we we've talked about this, while I've been in a long time, you know, our Air Force has changed in that period of time as well. But I think the real question to a lot of our people is, uh, have we changed with it? And if we haven't changed with it, why not? And so I'll, off, I'll offer a couple things on this, uh, Sergeant Fisher. And, and, and it's something that I talk a lot about, uh, because when I was a child growing up, my parents used to always talk about the golden rule. And for those who don't know the golden rule, the golden rule is, is, is treat people the way you would want to be treated, you know, paraphrasing, but that's about what it is. And yeah. so that was how I grew up. And uh, I was like, hey, that, that makes a lot of sense why that's the golden rule, right? And, you know, I come into the Air Force and I was like, yeah, mom and dad taught me, you know, uh, treat people the way I'd want to be treated. But as the world has changed and, and, and we've come so connected across the globe and, and uh, social media and everything else, it's been a game changer. And so a few years ago, I was at a, uh, a professional development event and there was a, a psychologist, you know, great, great lady up there talking about the golden rule. And then she talked about the platinum rule. And she said, how many people in here have heard of the platinum rule? And and I think in most of the people in there are about my age. So uh, at the time, they probably were, you know, 40 years old, if you will. And I think two hands went up and, and my hand wasn't one of them. 
So she went on to say, hey, the platinum rule is treat people the way they want to be treated. And you could hear the uh, the cussing and the fussing and people are like, that's what are you talking about? Why would we do that? And uh, no, it's the golden rule. It's not the platinum rule. But but, you know, I reflected on that over the next couple of weeks after I heard that. And then I went and read the book that actually had come out, I think, in 1996 about the platinum rule. As I got to reading it, it made a lot of sense to me because mm-hmm. as you talk about like what Tony Dungy has in his book, if if I treat people the way they want to be treated, well, the number one thing I have to do is I have to know you. And the only way I can get to know you as a leader is I got to spend time with you. But I got to spend time with you to do those things so I can find out who you really are. Because at the end of the day, if I know who you really are, I can connect with you. And if I can connect with you, I can help you. Mm. But if I'm standing you know, with the bullhorn uh, up on top of the scaffolding over here, if you will, I'm not going to get there. We are in a different place in our Air Force, and I wish I knew every single person in AFSOC. Obviously, I don't, but I can tell you I spend that time with those people that I'm closest to because I am their frontline supervisor, right? And so I want to know all those things about them. And so whether people agree with the golden rule or the platinum rule, my point to it is it's about knowing people. And if I know you, I'm get the most out of you and the organization wins. And frankly, you win because now you've, uh, you've built a friendship. You know, we all have rank. We all understand that. That's not what this is about. This isn't the movie Full Metal Jacket. Let's not kid ourselves, right? This is about taking care of people. I love it. You're, you're, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir here, Chief. I love the fact <laughs> that you're bringing up a lot of these key terms that we often just kind of overlook and forget about. In your uh, strategic guidance, which you guys, uh, which you brought up earlier, uh, it talks about a refocus on human connectedness is vital to forging resiliency across our form- formation. Now, resiliency is a term that uh, you know people begin to roll their eyes about, uh, and and to a degree, I can understand that sentiment. But uh, let's kind of forget about that term for a moment and focus on the rest of what was in there, the, the human connectedness. So how does, in your mind, how does that tie into this whole idea of an empathetic leader? Yeah, so as you look at human connectedness and, and, you know, and then being an empathetic leader, right, it, to me it goes back to we discussed it earlier, right, is that we have to get ourselves back into predictable models as units and everything else where we are together, we train together, we deploy together because now we're in this together. But when we send onesies and twosies downrange and then they come back and then the commander and three others go downrange, you don't ever get to that point where you get the synergy inside of units, right? Because if we all agree that the heartbeat of our Air Force is a squadron, which it is, that that is that is who's getting the work done day in and day out. It is not headquarters AFSOC. Well, we got people working hard here. The people that get things done in our Air Force are squadrons. Yep. And so when I think of human connectedness, if you're part of a squadron where you know people genuinely care and you know that, hey, we're going to be home for these three months, gone for these three months, and then resetting for these three months, you know, i.e. The, the fourth generation cycle, you can get after human connectedness, right? Because you feel like you're a part of something, one that's bigger than yourself, and you got to rely on each other as teammates. But right now, we just kind of haphazardly send people out the door and not because they're not valuable, they're, they're vitally valuable. But what happens is, is we're just filling taskings that we need to fill. We have to change that so we can get after this connectedness piece. And then on top of that, when you're home, we can focus in on, on those, on the resources that we have to get after some of the struggles that our people may be dealing with. But right now, a lot of times we don't know those struggles because like I said, we're chasing our tail. Our people, we owe them better than that. And that's why this matters to get to human connectedness. Now, 
we may not get there tomorrow on that. And but my charge to everybody is, you know, it's the same one that I give myself every day is what I'm what I care about the most is my foxhole. That is what I'm responsible for. Right. And I think too often we look at somebody else and we go, well, they're not doing it. So I'm not doing it. Hey, whatever you're responsible for, handle that. And that that is the human connectedness piece of that. Right. But what we can't do is say, hey, that's somebody else's or it's not mine. No, it's yours. Right. Take care of what is yours. You know, General Slife says this uh, and I believe in it. And I don't want people to read into this, uh, this what I'm about to say. Officers are in command. Our NCOs are in charge. But obviously, when the NCOs are in charge, that doesn't mean you override the commander. The commander's giving you guidance, and then you execute it. And that's why you're in charge. Mm-hmm. Well, part of being in charge, we are in charge of that health, morale, welfare. That is what we do as enlisted, right? That is not somebody else's responsibility. That is our responsibility. And and so I want our NCOs to, to embrace that. And I realize they're busy. But you have to embrace that because that is why, um, you know, we, we are the greatest in the world because of our NCO Corps. But if we lose that because we're not raising the generation after us because, you know, we're not focused on the right things, that's where I get concerned. And so that's where I see the human connectedness piece of this as we wrote the strategic guidance. We could have wrote entire strategic guidance on human connectedness. No but what I know to be true is this, is when it comes to these things, one size doesn't fit all. The example I give is when you're working on things, and we'll use resiliency as an example, is what may work in one unit may not work in another unit. Just because you can grow cotton in the southeast doesn't mean you can grow cotton in the northwest, right? And so that's my point. I don't like it when we levy programs on people because you as as leaders of your squadron know or should know what works best inside of your unit to get after things. You don't want the larger Air Force telling you what's going to work in your unit because it's your unit you know best. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's make this a little more personal. What are some things that you try to get after personally um, in your, you know, even even maybe at home in your personal life, but also uh, as a professional to stay focused and intentional about being an empathetic leader? You know, that's that's a that's a great question, because number one, it starts with the platinum rule like I talked about, right? Treating people the way they want to be treated. I value getting to know people. I value getting after that. Like I said earlier, I am an extrovert. So I enjoy people and people give me energy. And so to me, I don't struggle with that as much. But I'll, I'll tell you something that, that really hits home to me is I believe at my in my heart, and I won't get into uh, religion or anything else. But what I would say for me is I believe happiness is internal to me. I don't rely on anybody else for my happiness. I rely on me for my happiness. And then the other people around me, whether that's my spouse, my friends, my coworkers, they build on that. And so if something happens to one of them, yes, it's going to impact me, but at my core, you know what I mean? I'm already happy, right? And so, because I think that's what resiliency is at its core. I can't rely on somebody else uh, to give that to me. And so when I think of, you know, the way you kind of ask the question, that's kind of how I view it. But a lot of those things are built into that, right? And that's why I'm, I'm a little structured in how I like to do things, because I know when things get out of whack for me, I'm not as productive. And once again, I, I, can't, uh, I can't pour into your cup if my cup is empty. Um, so let's build kind of a, a quick scenario. Let's say you, you, you have this new person that's coming to work for you. It's kind of a, a brand new relationship, if you will. Uh, what are some initial things that you are very deliberate about to kind of build that that 
that um, trust and uh, understanding between the two of you? Uh, perfect. Number one, as soon as I know I have an inbound to me, I am reaching out to them immediately. You know, usually I don't have their phone number. I'm sending a note, an email saying, hey, I know you're coming. Hey, I'd like to hook up with you. Uh, here's my phone number. Please pass me yours. And whether they call me or I call them, it all works. And then if they have a family and everything else. I get my, my spouse connected with them as well. And I want to start that off on the right foot to set expectations that, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here to take care of you. I'm going to make sure when you get here, I'm going to be the guy when you come rolling in, stand at building, waiting for you, making sure, you know, you get in just fine and everything else. I don't do the, hey, see at eight o'clock on Monday and uh, let me know if you can find the building. No, no. No matter what level I'm at, I value how we bring people into the organization because it just sets the tone from Jump Street. And then once we get off from that, I don't call the initial feedback. For me, it's just getting to know you. Right. Yeah, I could get out the ACA form. I could do all that. That's not the value to me. That, that Sure, that's a nice outline, but I want to know you uh, and I'm going to get to know you. And so once you know, once again, that, that I care about you and, and, and your family and, and what you got vested in this, the relationship just goes a lot better because, frankly, I do care about you. And number two, my goal is to get the most out of you, you know, at work to make sure we're getting uh, the most production. But if you think about what it takes to do that, it takes caring. It doesn't take a ton of time. Yeah. It takes just caring. And, and, and that's all it is to me is because I've PCSed, you know, multiple times like you have. It's always the unknown. And, and every time I've been treated the right way coming into an organization, usually it's exactly the way the organization is. When you walk into an organization that treats you that way, the organization is usually uh, hitting on all cylinders. If it's kind of a clown show uh, when you get there, usually when you walk into the unit, it's usually kind of a clown show. Because if you do the little things right, uh, people notice that. To me, those are the things that I get after with them. And then obviously, you know, like I said, I start every day with my team and saying, hey, you know, what's going on? How are things? And But they're not going to open up to me unless they know that, uh, uh, one, that they trust me or that I truly care. You can't just put a smile on your face. you got to show that you care. You can't just, uh, you can't just say words. I love it. Chief, take a few moments, uh, whatever you'd like to chat about, whatever you want to kind of give, uh, give our listener um, some insight, whatever. It's yours. Take a few moments to do that as we kind of wrap up. Okay. Well, thanks, Sergeant Fisher. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, once again, I, I think what you guys are doing here is just fantastic. And, you know, whether, you know, five people watch your podcast or five million watch your podcast, what you guys are trying to do is absolutely the right thing. It is. It's about getting after things for our airmen. You know, from where I sit, you know, in my job, I come to work every day and, and my job is airman. That's what it is. Now, can I impact every single airman? Can I fix every airman's problems? No, I can't. But I can tell you I want to. I can tell you that General Slife wants to. And so we, we offer this often that uh, while we're on the road, hey, if you aren't getting the satisfaction or you're not getting your answers or the, your, the, your questions answered, uh, send us a note. And believe it or not, we get notes. Nice. And, uh, we get no greater satisfaction than being able to solve that for those airmen because it's not about, hey, somebody didn't do their job. That'll work itself out. We got one last night. Uh, I won't say the individual's name. He'd been working on something for nearly two and a half years, and he couldn't get any traction. He'd sent it to all the right people, and he sent it directly to General Slife, and it was a well-thought-out everything. Boss got it. He said, hey, chief, take a look at this. Hey, this is wonderful. He goes, this is and what he these were, these were General Slife's exact words. He goes, this is why I come to work every day. He goes, so I can see an airman who's got a great idea, who wants to make uh, things better for other airmen. My job is to make sure that happens. He goes, that is why I have a job. And I said, sir, that's why we both have a job. 
I mean, that's what this is about. Sure, we're going to deal with other things, but at the end of the day, it just comes back to people. You betcha. It's, you know what I mean? It's yep. all about people. What I would say is if I can be of any help to you or any of your listeners, I'm all for it. You just got to let us know. We don't know what we don't know. I want to thank uh, – really, I want to thank all the Air Commandos uh, for the hard work that they put in each and every day. Just let us know what we can do to help you, and I appreciate the hard work. Awesome. Hey, thank you, Chief. And, and just real quick, by the way, folks, the strategic guidance uh, – or I'm sorry, the uh, yeah, the strategic guidance. If you haven't seen it, hit up your uh, chain of command. They've got it, and you definitely need to take some time to read this because it's, uh, it's a great document that uh, gives you some uh, fascinating insights on where we want to go uh, as a command. So, Chief, thank you very much for your time. I really want us to uh, continue this, so uh, maybe in a couple months we'll get you back on to uh, talk about some other topics. So thank you for taking uh, time out of your day. Thanks, Sergeant Fisher. Greatly appreciated, and uh, I look forward to uh, further engagements. Uh, have a wonderful day. I'm off to the next thing. But I've got balance. You betcha. Thanks again. Take care. And we'll, uh, we'll see everybody in, uh, very soon. You have listened to an episode of Pulse, recorded by members of the Cannon Air Force Space community. The views expressed within this podcast are those of the speakers and guests and do not necessarily represent the view of the DOD, Department of Defense, or its components. To the airmen, soldiers, sailors, and Marines. We'll see you again soon.